You are beautiful. You are worthy. Your dreams were put on your heart for a reason. No matter what anyone else might think of you for following them. So stand up, stand tall, and stand proud. You were made to shine. Hello, everyone. Happy Sunday. I am so excited to be on here, you guys. I put this on my Instagram. Any of you guys that follow me know that this Sunday is a very special day because we have the beautiful Beth McCray Mayfield on talking about a topic I know I'm very passionate about. She herself is so passionate about, and it is about financial literacy and competency and preparation for young women. I know a lot of the people that follow this particular podcast or my social media, you guys are in college, you're right out of college, and maybe you are misfinanced over there like Beth Mayfield herself, or you're like me, and you're like, I don't know where to start. I don't know what's what about what, and that was me before my mom gave me such beautiful advice and information The thing is, I know that a lot of you guys don't have access to a role model like I do to my mother. And so I think it was such a beautiful idea to get on here, get the amazing Beth Mayfield on a podcast and answer your most asked questions on my Instagram. So first, mom, what I want you to do is kind of give everyone a little bit of an intro as to who you are, why you're so passionate about women being prepared financially, and and what you do from a corporate sense, because you do this full-time, wealth management. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me, Annie. I'm so excited to be here. And um, just a little bit about my background. So I went to college at Auburn, or Eagle, um, majored in accounting. I've always loved, I've loved numbers. Um, took the CPA exam, but then went straight to law school um, here in Atlanta at Emory. Um, was lucky enough to focus a lot of my law school courses in tax, which was always by interest. Um, then went straight to work here in Atlanta for a large law firm in the tax department and have gone from large law firm. I've been in a small law firm. I've had my own law firm and practiced law for 24 years, really specializing in estate planning for high net worth families. And about four and a half years ago, I did a little bit of a career pivot and left my law practice and joined a private wealth management um, firm here in Atlanta and have been there for four and a half years and love it. I really focus on you know, helping um, families in that high net worth space, really with everything from, you know, we help with investments, we help with um, that intergenerational transfer of wealth from, you know, grandma and granddad down to, you know, future generations, we help with philanthropic planning. And I think what I really love the most about what I do is it is truly, I mean, we help other people Mm -hmm. because a lot of the people we help, they, you know, a big part of what we do is educating the younger generations Mm -hmm. And, you know, how to, how to, um, you know, to, to have wealth. And mm-hmm. it's a lot of times it's significant wealth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and the one thing I've seen with women especially is that for women, you know, wealth to them, it's more than just like a number on a piece mm-hmm. of paper. Mm-hmm. It really, to them, it represents more than that. It's really about what they can do with that wealth and how to use that wealth in ways that are important to them, to their family, and to others. And that to really make an impact. And that's just probably one of the fav- my favorite things that I get to do. 
That is so cool. And so before we get into specifically about kind of that younger generation building the wealth, and you said building significant wealth, I want to hear more about like what lights your heart on fire to be able to educate these people? What is What makes you so passionate about making sure that you're giving this information to younger women, to the younger generation, to be able to be better prepared to handle their financials? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it goes back to that, you know, that act of service and really seeing the impact, you know, I can make on people's lives. Mm-hmm. And it can be, um, it can be as small as empowering, empowering the, that younger generation to, to be active, to take an active role mm-hmm. in their finances and in their wealth and to show them how important that is. Yeah. That it's, you know, you just can't, you just can't hand it over to someone else. Yes, you need advisors, especially for the high net worth. They need a lot of advisors, Mm -hmm. but you always want to have your pulse on what's going on Mm -hmm. with your finances. And so to, to empower them and to educate them and to, to let them know that, I mean, you don't have to be a finance whiz to have a handle on these things. Yes. (laughs) And to, to be interested. And so I love empowering them and to get them involved and then to, to show them what, what that what that wealth and what their their money can do mm. because i think a lot of times in our society you know money the money it can be like a stigma i mean there are a lot of people that think you know oh money money's bad having too much money mm. but i i totally disagree with mm-hmm. that money is money is options money can you know some of the wealthiest people i know are the most giving people yep. i know they they give so much they give back and it, it can be used for so much good and mm-hmm. i think when i see that it really especially today in today's news i think you can watch the news today and you can just think oh my god the world is an awful place you know everybody is out everybody's terrible you know it's just bad people and but I'm telling you, with in what I do, I see it day in and day out. People at their core, most people are really good. Yeah. And they really want to help others yeah. and give back. And so I go to work every day and I witness that. And it's just a it's just a really great, great thing to see. That is so amazing. And I think that that perspective... I love that. I'm a big believer. Money makes you more of what you are. It brings out what's already in you. So if you have greed, if you have evil in you, it is a tool to, to amplify that. If you have generosity and, and a giving nature in you, it is a tool to enhance that as well. Um, I'm curious, you know, you talked about just the importance of being financially aware what like if you're you know, and you've talked to me so much about this, but let's talk to like the younger people. Why is that important? Like, you know, you, you talked to someone, I was a psychology major. I was not a finance major. Why should I take the time to be aware about my finances? And what does that actually look like? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the, it's important because, I mean, it's, it's your it's your livelihood. I mean, you, you know, it's you, we spend all this time going to school, getting educated to get a job or to start a business. And yeah, you know, you always say, you know, find your passion, do what you love. But in the day, I mean, you're not going to get to do it very long if you're not making money. I mean, you've got to find a way to support Amen. yourself. And so you, you've got to, you've got to know what's going on. Now, that does not mean that you cannot have outside advisors that are helping you. But you cannot 
just turn it over. I mean, think about, I mean, let's just put it in perspective to something your generation will probably know. Think about all the young child movie stars that just turned over their finances to, you know, agents or managers or sometimes not such a great parent. It never really turned out great for them. Yeah. You know, it's like you want to know what's going on with your finances always. Mm -hmm. You always want to pulse on it. You always want to review it. It's so important because it's it's yours and Mm -hmm. people will take advantage of Mm -hmm. you if you don't know enough to point out and be knowledgeable when Mm -hmm. something doesn't look right. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? So you always want to have the knowledge to be able to, you know, to have to have a, an impact and a say on your finances. And then also, I say, you know, especially for women, I think I think it's so easy for women to say, oh, I don't do numbers. Oh, I don't like numbers. Mm-hmm. I'm not a numbers person. I hear it all the time. Oh, I'm not a numbers person. And I'm like, well, you know what? I, I'm not a lot of certain things, but it doesn't <laughs> mean I, I don't have to do it. Yep. There's certain things in life that you just, you have to know at least the basics Mm -hmm. like your health i am i am not a doctor i don't like medical stuff but let me tell you if something is wrong with me health wise i'm going to do my research and figure out what's going on with Mm -hmm. my body does that make sense Mm -hmm. and it's the same with finances so i just encourage young women don't just lump it into a category of i don't do numbers yeah you've got to at least educate yourself enough so that you you understand the big picture Mm -hmm. that you can pick out those things and you know what to do because it's so important for your financial independence yeah um yeah i think women especially sometimes can get sucked into that i don't do numbers and they just say it's my husband does the finances or my parent do does the finances and what that does it puts you in a very vulnerable position very vulnerable position where you really don't have any control mm-hmm. and you are not independent i mean i see it a lot in um with what i do i'm a certified divorce financial analyst so i work with a lot of people as i see as they're going through divorces and it breaks my heart to see the number of women who have just really handed the finances over to their husbands mm-hmm. and they're they're clueless they're mm-hmm. clueless with what what they even have or what they're entitled to they have no idea and i think the best way to prevent that is to be an active participant from the start Mm. and that really would prevent a lot of those issues but it requires participation and effort it requires effort and I loved what you said about the doctor example because I think what a lot of people do is and I'm good lord knows I'm guilty of this because I'm not a math person I have said I don't do numbers so many times in my life and I think to your point about the doctor example like yes you're not a doctor but you do things every single day to take care of your health and wellness you don't have to be an expert to be able to have a pulse check on your health just as with finances you don't have to be a financial advisor to be able to have a good pulse check on your finances and so what I want to do before we take a sharp pivot into investing because I know a lot of people have questions about that I want you to give like people my age, 24, 23, 22-year-old, 25-year-old women, practical tips on what are the first steps to getting aware? What do you need to do practically? Just like, what do you need to look for in your finances? What does active participation look like from the start? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all is, you know, I always say invest in yourself. You need to make sure that you, that you do what's required from a knowledge standpoint. Read books 
watch webinars, you know, you know, subscribe to online things, educate yourself Mm -hmm. and make sure that you're educated. And it doesn't have to mean you're taking a tax course. We're talking just a broad, just so you have knowledge on overall finances, you know, financial well-being for young adults, you know, get a book, read it. Um, It it really is important. Like I said, you don't have to get into the granular, but it can give you just some overall Perspective. perspective on what's going on. And then I think, you know, really the the first thing people can do as a, as a young adult, you know, coming out is they to get their finances in order um, before we jump into the investing piece, which is one piece of it, is just overall, if you look at big picture for young adults, is you've got to make sure that your, your income and expenses are, are, are in or not out of whack. Mm. Does that make sense? I mean, budgeting, that's very important for young adults. And I think a lot of kids, um, you know, I mean, I, I know, you know, we're, you know, you grew up, you, you know, you, you went to school with a lot of kids. They didn't lack for much. I mean, everybody, yeah. you know, went on nice vacations. Everybody had nice clothes. And I think a lot of kids graduate and they, they want to live to that same standard of living. And, I think what you've got to be sure is if you're truly like on your own where you're trying to make sure what you're making is covering your expenses, you've got to do a budget. And I always say, you know, it, it's really important to take what what your income is sort of after taxes, you know, what, what, you're, what you're bringing home after the taxes are taken out and then look at all your expenses. And I sort of say lump them into three buckets. And I sort of say one or what we call, I call them non-discretionary expenses. These are sort of those expenses you have you have to pay. What would be an example? So your rent, if you're in an apartment, your utilities, your car insurance, um, if you tithe, I mean, if that's important Mm -hmm. to you, that some people say that's a non-discretionary expense. I am going to give 10% of church. Some people let me not be, but does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Um, so your, your health insurance. I mean, some of those, those are, those are, those are bills that are going to come in. They have to be paid. Mm -hmm. Okay. When you look at your, after-tax income, it sh- that should be about 50%. So that should give you a good range, like when you're looking for an apartment or what you can afford. Does that make sense? Yep. 50% non-discretionary expenses. 30% should be what I call discretionary expenses. Discretionary expenses would be your clothes, mm. getting highlights, getting your hair done, Amen. getting your nails done, getting Amen. a massage, um, you know, travel. All those are discretionary expenses. Now, there'd be some people that will say getting my highlights done is non-discretionary. But at the end, of, end of the day, if, if just everything fell apart, you could, your finances, you could survive with not getting your hair done for a month. You cannot not pay your rent for a month or you're going to be homeless. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. So yeah. that's where you sort of separate out non-discretionary and discretionary. So that's 50%, 30%. You've got 20% left and that 20% left, that's your savings. That's what you should be saving. And so that that's what I sort of say. That's a good, that's a good roadmap for young adults to really start you know, start out and, you know, with that savings piece, I always say, you know, you want to save, but if you have any like credit card debt, like high interest debt out there, um, school loans, loans, if it's a high interest debt, that needs to be paid off first. Mm -hmm. That needs to go first. Um, Always take priority. You want to get that out of the way. And then 
you can get to the investing piece of it. Does that make sense? But okay, so, because I know we probably do have people here that have student loans, so I just want to specify. So you're saying 50% non-discretionary, and then anything else goes towards your student loans, and then can well, you? Well, yeah, no, that's it. That's a great question. So with student loans, what I would tell people is you've really got to look at what your interest rate is on your student loan. Like right now, we've been in a period of time where student loans, they've, I mean, it's been like forgiven. You haven't even had payments like during the pandemic. So student loans and credit card debt, I would say are two very different types of debt. Credit card debt is typically the worst type of debt mm. because it has a really high interest rate. Mm. So if you have a thousand dollar American Express bill and you don't pay that off at the end of the month, they're going to come in there and they're going to charge you interest. It's like you, they're loaning you that money. Yep. Does that make sense? And it's high. The interest rate is high. I mean, it can be 17, 18%, mm. a really, really high rate. A school loan debt, it depends on what your, what your loan agreement is and what type of loan it was. Typically, the interest rates aren't that high. Does gotcha. that make sense? So credit card debt is typically always the first debt to pay off. Student loan debt, it would it it depends. I like would like to get it people to get it paid off, but you gotta you gotta look at where it is. Let's say if it's a eight percent interest rate on your student loan, that's that's high. That's pretty high. I mean you you put money in the bank, you you can't earn that. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. But if let's say if you have a if it's a one percent then it may be worth, that's more, you know, that's a lower rate. You may be able to earn more in the market or investing it mm. than you would to pay that off. Does that make sense? So that's yeah. where you, a little bit of judgment on okay. the student loans. Very, very good. Um, okay, let's pivot. Investing. Because I know we've had bucket loads of questions about investing from how to invest, why to invest, do I need a lot of money to invest, just common knowledge about investing. So I kind of want to start with just the, I always think it's important to start with why is investing important? Like, why should people even listen to how to invest? Like, why is it important for young people to, to look into investing? Yeah. Um, investing is, it's so important mm -hmm. um, because it really is, it's, it's the way you can make money work for you. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And um, so I love this example of, if you let's let's say that you're going to compare a scenario, and I'm sort of looking at some notes right here because mm -hmm. I wrote down some things because I think it's she's so, got notes, people I've got notes because I think it's so important. And this is what I would call money under your mattress. So you've got money and you're just stuffing it under your mattress because you don't want to lose it. You just want to keep like the in cash. SpongeBob. That's right, money under your mattress versus putting it in a savings account. You know, like a a savings account versus investing it. And when I yeah. say investing it, that would be in stocks and mutual funds. It would be in the stock market. Okay. So if you take $20,000 and you, you either put it under your mattress, you put it in a savings account, or you invest it in 30 years, 30 years time. Okay. These are the numbers at the end of the 30 years. This is what it's going to look like. That $20,000, if you put it under your mattress, how much are you going to have in 30 years? $20,000. $20,000. Didn't, you, you didn't lose any, but you didn't earn any. You stuffed mm -hmm. it in your mattress. If you put it in a savings account that's earning about 2% interest, which is even high. I mean, uh, you know, yeah, that's probably about right right now. These rates have gone up a little bit. At the end of 30 years, you're going to have about $36,000. Mm. Okay? If you invest it and you're earning about 
4% annual rate of return, you're gonna have almost $100,000. That's pretty powerful. Wow. Think about that. So 20,000, it goes from, you're not gonna, you're not going up at all if you put it under your mattress. You're going up a little bit if you put it in a savings account. But if you invest it, you're five times in your money. Does that make sense? Mm. And so, the, the, and that's at a 5% rate of return. With the exception of this year, we've had a lot more higher rates of return in the last, you know, 10 years. So, the reason I say that is that the, the stock market over time, like if you look at the stock market right now, We've had a, a horrible year. The stock market has really taken a hit this year. Been very volatile, really no place to hide. I mean, all sectors of the market have been pretty hit. But before that, in the years leading up, we've had probably one of the biggest runs. I mean, it, it's been huge, mm -hmm. the, the, the rate of returns that we've had. And so over time, over time, 10, 20, 30 year horizon, you're typically always gonna be better off investing your money than sticking it under your mattress or even putting it in a low, you know, savings. interest savings yeah. account. Now, there are times when you need to have a savings account or you need to have your money in the mattress. I mean, like, let's say if you were saying, I, I wanna buy a house in a year. I, mm -hmm. I'm saving up to go buy a house in a year and I've got $100,000 saved to go put a down payment on a house. Well, I probably would not tell you to go put $100,000 in the stock market right now yeah. because it, you need it in a year. Yep. Does that make sense? That's when a savings account is perfect. You're going to get a little bit of return on it. Okay. So you don't want to stuff it under your mattress. Savings account, you're not going to lose money. You're just going to get a couple interest, you know, a little bit of return on it. Investing it, you may get a bigger return, but you may lose. Does that make sense? But over time, with the power of time, which all young people have, you're going to be better off investing. And mm -hmm. that's why investing is so, so important. Yeah. And the other key thing that I want to say is it's so important to start young mm. with investing. It is staggering the numbers between starting investing when you're in your early 20s versus starting even 10 years later in your early 30s when you think, oh, let me just wait till I get my bearings. Yeah. So I'm going to give you one other example because I think mm. this is so powerful. She came prepared, ladies and gents. I did. I came prepared because I think this is powerful. So let's say that we've got two best friends, okay? Two best friends. They're in their um, early 20s. So let's say they're they're both 20 years old, okay? okay? And let's say that they're going to invest $2,000 a year. That's, you know, that's doable. I mean, mm -hmm. $2,000 a year um, for roughly, you know, 20 years. So one of the friends starts at age 20. Okay. Age 20, they put away $2,000 a year from age 20 through age 39. So like 19 years, they put in $2,000 a year. At age 20... Um, 39 they stop so they put in forty thousand dollars over the course of those 20 years and they stop they don't put in anything else okay the friend doesn't start putting in money away till they turn 40. okay okay so they wait they're like you know i'm just don't have any extra money right now i'm getting started i'm whatever so age 40 the friend starts and they actually put the two thousand dollars a year away starting at age 40 through age 65. So they actually put $52,000 in. Okay. The okay. other person only put 40. When they are 65, so remember the first person 
did it through age 20 through 39. Yeah. Never put another penny in there. Yep. The other one, age 40 through 65. The first person, the first friend, at the, age 65, they have 1.3 million saved Ayo. up. The other person who waited until they were age 40, they waited 20 years, only has 200,000. Wow. Is that is that amazing? And that That's is the power staggering. of compounding. So why? Because when that that first person when they started at age 20, they had 40,000 in in invested when they were 39 years old that kept growing mm. and that's the power of investing that's when your money is working for you yep. does that make sense and it's the it's that you know the old thing of a penny doubling would you take yep. a penny today you know versus you know a, or a million, million dollars, dollars today, today or a penny in 30 days that doubles every day it's the power of compounding it is so powerful and that's why i'm so passionate about teaching young people to invest early mm. to, it's it's so so important and um it, it it it's so it's so important and if if anybody is working and has like a 401k i mean and the employer matches no so brainer it's a no-brainer so if you if you work and let's say your employer says i'm going to match six percent you're crazy not to it would at least put six percent of your salary because it's free money. Well, it's a match. There, I mean, yeah, your employer is giving you up to six percent. They're going to match it. Yeah, free money. It's free money. It's free money. Okay, so there's, I mean, so many more questions I wanted to get to, but we only have five minutes left, and I think that this investment subject is something that our my audience finds a lot of value in. So I want to, I want to ask, I want to make sure every single person is getting practical steps. Okay. Leaving this podcast. So obviously we know the importance of investing. We know the importance of, of, you know, finding stock, et cetera, but I don't think people know how to do that. Like wh where, where do you look for, where do you buy this stock? What do you look for? I mean, tell my audience that. Cause I know I was in that boat. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And so sort of going back on the 401k, that's easy. You just mm -hmm. sign up through your employer. You, yep. you can do it. Um, if you're self-employed and or your employer doesn't have a 401k, you can also contribute to an IRA, which is a tax, another tax advantage. You can contribute pre-tax up to like $6,000 a year, which is great. Do people um, just Google that? How do they you know, do that? So a couple of great places to go to, to, to open those accounts. And this would also be if you wanted to buy stock or wanted to buy something else you could go to Schwab you could go to Vanguard you could go to Fidelity you mm. could go to Ameritrade yeah all of those like brokerage houses you can open up an account it costs no money okay it is so simple there is a 1-800 number that you can call online chat people will walk you through it is really nothing to be intimidated what's about. your favorite um, you know, I think, well, for, you know, like for you, we did a Vanguard account, Love which Vanguard. I thought was easy. I would say Vanguard or Schwab, um, one of those two, I think you can't go wrong. Okay. Those are great. Um, but yeah, but real quick before we run out of time, I think it's important. So like, let's say you went to Vanguard, let's say you're doing your 401k. Okay. You're doing your 401k at work. You're, you're, you're contributing up to your employer match, the 6%. But let's say you also have a little bit extra in that 20% of the savings mm -hmm. in your budget that you could put similar to what we did for you yeah we had a little bit extra so we opened up a vanguard account yep so in that vanguard account you could let's say you have an extra three hundred dollars a month okay that you want to put into into savings 
And it's not money that you're going to need tomorrow yeah. to buy a house. Does that make sense? This is money you really want to invest. You could go buy a stock. You could pick a stock. The good and bad of that is, I mean, you can go look but and find a stock that you're interested in. But you've got to do a little bit of research to make sure the company's good, the earnings are right. And it's a little riskier. I mean, you know, if the stock goes does well, you're going to ride it way up. But yeah. if the stock goes bad, you're going to plummet with the stock. Yeah. Um, a good example is Peloton. I mean, your, uh, your age would like Peloton. During the pandemic, Peloton was up at like $160 a share. Yeah. Okay. Today, Peloton is about $10 a share. Wow. So, I mean, it's, it's taken a hit of about 95%. So for every dollar you invested back at the height of the pandemic, you've got about a nickel left. Wow. Not great. But, you know, you, 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 so you really ride that risk up and you ride it down. I personally think a better thing for people your age, and it's easier, is to look at what they call exchange-traded funds or a mutual fund. And what that does is you put money in. This is sort of like what we have for you. We just got you invested in the S&P 500 index. Mm -hmm. It takes it basically gives you a little piece of like 500 of the top companies, Apple, Microsoft, you know, Tesla, um, you know, Facebook, Meta. I mean, all of the Amazon, all of the top companies that are great. And you, you own a little piece of them through this fund. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And it's a lot less expensive and you can literally buy it online. You can go into your Vanguard account. So it's you can, easy. It's easy. Yeah. And the other thing I would recommend is to have it done automatically have it come immediately out don't okay, come automatic draft yep. on your paycheck into the vanguard account yep, so you never so see it and it's just a great way to invest yeah something you you told me was like just pretend it, you didn't even have it like right. just pretend that's money you didn't even have because it's like long game here um this was so huge, and I know that we're about to run out of time, but I do think we need a part two because there was a g gazillion questions we didn't even get to. But you guys, I know you had so many questions about investing, so we just scratched the surface. I know my mom could talk about this for hours. Um, so keep sending your questions. I'll definitely do a part two with Mama Beth. Um, I'll also link in the show notes links to what my mom was talking about with Vanguard, Fidelity, et cetera, so you guys have direct access. But once again, please keep keep sending in your questions. I know this is a big topic and one that my mom and myself are incredibly passionate about. And just remember as a female, you should be aware of your finances. You guys, I'm sending you so much love. Share this podcast episode with anyone you think would get value from it. Have an amazing Sunday.